spooky souls. And it's Marissa. And we are finally, finally back. back. I'm glad you said it because if you didn't, I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we went on a little vacation and took a hiatus. Yeah. No I mean, there reason. was reasons, but we don't need we don't need to go. There's reasons. We're back, and that's all that matters. And- <laughs> We love you guys for being patient with us and thank you so much. We have an amazing audience. Yes, (laughs) exactly. You guys rock our socks and hopefully we sound better coming to you. We got some new equipment set up and we found some good software to use for editing. So this is going to be our first episode of hopefully way better quality. It sounds better when we know. play it back we'll see. when we're doing our tests. So hopefully that's a good sign. It, it does. And I want you to know that it actually took Kristen and I way oh, longer oh than we want to admit to get this. <laughs> well, we were going to record okay. yesterday and then we ended up messing around mm-hmm. with trying to get this all situated that whole, what, two hours yesterday. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> whole fiasco so we didn't even get a record yesterday because it is way harder to record because she's at her house I'm at my house it's just easier even though we live close it just is more functional for us and it's way harder to record online than you'd think with the right mm-hmm. equipment for sure it's oh not as easy God. as a click of a button like we were using so no definitely not but hopefully it's worth it I, I need to worth it right? I, yeah I feel much better already now that we got it figured out mm-hmm. for the most part, I think, but yes, we'll see. We're a work we'll in progress. We're working okay. with it. We're just rolling with it. Nice. Yes. We're just rolling, rolling out things, giving it a shot. <laughs> if it works, it works. Real. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we hope you all have good holiday season now that it's already January 18th. Holy fucking shit. It's 2022 wild Kristen do you have any like goals this year um well my new year's resolution was to read more I wanted to read one book every two weeks at least but I'm kind of failing on that already so maybe I'll change it to one book every month (laughs) then I can read 12 books and then I won't feel so bad but I feel like it's kind of stupid to change your resolution 18 days into it because (laughs) I failed the first time but oh well well I mean Fuck it. Just pretend that like the two weeks was actually four weeks. Yeah, so I like, had a hot fine. mess to the start of 2022. So we'll just go with that. And uh, yeah, no, she kind of did like tumbling did. into 2022, but it's fine. That's all that matters. She did like a somersault that didn't quite stick the landing, but we're good. Uh, sounds like me back in gymnastics <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> what are your plans well I know your well, plans good. tell everyone else your plans for the year um we want to go on five ooh, vacations ooh. um that's our, like our plans together um I definitely want to read more you know I just want to be that girl you know that that girl that gets up in the morning and actually makes her bed and makes her really good iced coffee and journals I'm not going to journal, but it'd be nice to like, just meditate for a few minutes. Like I want to be that girl that doesn't wake up at five 15 when she has to leave for five 30 and is racing through the house and doesn't even get a pee in the morning at home that because she's running inspirational. Late. I give you props for wanting to, <laughs> that I aspire to be that girl. I just don't know if I ever can. 
but you, <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't made it happen yet once this year. At all, well, so. we're working on it. <laughs> it's a work we're working on it. You know, we have goals. Yes, exactly. That's all that matters. <laughs> And we, as a team, definitely want to be way more consistent with one episode a week. And we're going to come up with a schedule for the Patreons um, and come up with new levels and things like that. I've been working a lot of hours because I have a couple of weeks off coming up. So I am saving a lot of to-dos for that time. So I'm going to really dive in and hopefully create more areas for you guys to see and have fun and learn more and get access to our content. Yay. I don't yeah. Sorry Yay. about my dogs. Like I thought this <laughs> the new um equipment would cancel them out, but you can still hear them. Oh. I can't hear them. I can hear dog tigs, but I literally think it Maybe might be it mine. Is. I don't know. I know Ali and Alaska and uh Diesel are playing right now. Oh now she's going after Frosty my cat. So <laughs> I really I can barely hear them and I'm sure Cole I heard Cole crack a beer so I think he's home so my dogs are gonna be out soon you know guys we are trying we don't have a fancy studio we are definitely no crime junkies not. maybe someday no just not right you're not someday we're, we're starting out, we need so. some we need some good sponsors <laughs> right <laughs> But I know Kristen finally has the wrap up of a bomb ass episode. So definitely make sure you listen to episode one. Yeah. And it's been a hot minute for those of you who do listen regularly. So you might have to re-listen just because it's been a while. I re-listened yesterday, two days ago on Sunday night. I played it when I was going to bed and I was like, wow, I, I, uh, I almost forgot how messed up this guy is. <laughs> he is he really is. <laughs> but we can go ahead and go back into him. So I don't even remember exactly where I left off. Let me, it was. You know, I'm going to be honest. I did not re-listen. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to be like, holy shit, balls, what? I know. Oh, Marine. That's who we, we left off with his, I think, fifth murder, who was Marine Hedge. Um, and she was the one who lived down the street from him. So he could watch her easily. So that's where we left off. Yes. But so then we go into this is part two, obviously, trigger warning for anyone who listens to any of our podcasts. But um, so his sixth murder it was a woman named Vicki Wagerly. So this happened on September 16th of 1986. She was actually a potential victim. So BTK pretended to be a telephone repairman to get into her house. He actually, um, he drove there around lunchtime. But prior to this, he had stopped somewhere else to change into what he called his hit clothes. So basically his clothes that he committed his murders in hit close. I know. That's so fun. Um, but he knocked on one of the neighbor's doors just to let them know that they were like doing repairs in the area and to basically make it seem more legit, which I got a hand to him. That's a pretty smart move to. Yeah. Like it's so weird how cunning and like kind of sadly, like you said, yeah, intelligent. I don't want to call him intelligent, but he really was. <laughs> 
he was and that's how he got away with know. um so yeah so he was knocking on the neighbor's doors and letting them know that he was doing it in the area and then he ended up at vicky's house he asked her if he could check her phone lines inside and then she allowed him in so he went over to where the phone was but then she like looked away and he had drawn a pistol on her mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. he asked if she would go to the bedroom with him which I don't know why he even asks that's how they word it like you would think yeah. he'd just be like go to the bedroom you're not yeah when you have a gun to someone you're not asking exactly. shit you're demanding For let's real. reword that yeah um so yeah they ended up going back to the bedroom and he told her that he was going to tie her up he said that he just used some material that he had found in the bedroom but she had broken out of that and then they started physically fighting he did gain control over her then he found a nylon sack and took it and started strangling her with it then he thought that she was dead so he started to like rearrange her clothes and took some photos of her then he heard a commotion and remembered that vicky had just mentioned something about her husband coming home shortly so he ran out of the house really quick at that point he already had um the keys to her car so he used her car to get away which he really he only drove it about two blocks and then he went to his own vehicle so i don't but i think the worst part about this one is that she had a toddler in the next room just playing oh my god he didn't do anything to the toddler but like he killed the mom just the next room over while the kid was playing it's so sad yeah and the husband he it was him he was the commotion that btk heard he had come home for lunch. He couldn't find her. So he thought that maybe she just like ran to the store really quick, but he found it a little weird because the toddler was still at home and normally she would have taken him. But I think they, he thought like maybe it was just a really, really quick thing that she was running for like a minute to go. I mean, I don't know, but. Okay. Definitely not going to spread hate on her, but I would never leave my toddler for any sort of minute to run any sort of way. He still found it strange, but I think, I don't know. I don't know, but. I don't know. This was what? The seventies though? Eighties? I think this one was. Yeah. Yeah. Times are different back then, I guess. Times are different, I guess. But obviously not. It just wasn't as heard of because this is happening in 86. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, he eventually, the husband actually did eventually find her between the bed and the wall. And it like, she was between the bed and the wall that wasn't visible from the doorway so when he had first checked the room Mm. he didn't obviously see her so he thought that she was just not home that's so sad then he had once he found her he thought he was um she was dead but once paramedics arrived they tried to revive her but it unfortunately failed and the husband had been the original suspect in this case because he had supposedly been in the house for some time before finding her but he luckily wasn't ever arrested. Thank God. I know. Well, thank God. Yeah. Imagine losing your wife and then being blamed. I mean, I'm sure it happens quite a bit. Like they always turn to the husband person if they don't have like a good reason and you just get locked up. So that's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Um, But yeah. So that was his sixth murder. 
And then in 1988, so there was three members of the, I think it's Fager or Fager, F-A-G-E-R, Fager family um, in Wichita, they had been murdered. A letter had been received from someone claiming to be BTK, and he had denied being the killer in this crime, but said that the killer had done some admirable work. Um, when I don't, what the fuck? when BTK finally gets caught later, it is found out that he did write the letter, but again, he did not commit the murders for those three family members. But he was just like, "Hey, you, you're a great kill. Like, wh- why?" What the fuck? I hope what? Like, hey, good job murdering people. You are definitely someone I, you know, respect in this person. I really look up to you. Like, I don't know, whatever. I don't whatever. Yeah. Fucking okay. (laughs) Okay. So his final murder, thank God, was her name was Dolores Davis. She went by D. And this was on January 19th of 1991, which is what, 30, no, four, how many years ago tomorrow? Wait, say that again, what was it? So 10, 20, 30, 30, 31 years years tomorrow. Yeah. Well, RIP. No. So, um, BTK again went somewhere. I couldn't find where exactly, but he went somewhere to change his clothes. Then he parked nearby D's house and walked to the residence. He said he remembers it being very cold that night and said that he had some reservations about going in since he had cased the house before and he couldn't really find a good way to get in. But he ended up going anyway. She was in the house and he finally just ended up like finding a concrete block and throwing it through the patio door window area and just walked in. I know. Terrifying. But like she heard it and she came out of her bedroom thinking that a car hit her house, which I know. Oh my God. Lady just innocently thinking it's an accident. Literally one of my biggest. Yeah. My biggest fear is like, okay, not to like, take you take you off but the other night like something fell in our living room it still cursed me out i think our house might be haunted i'm gonna do like a sesh but um we were both passed out sleeping and we woke up to a noise and when i woke up i was like so confused why i woke up but i knew i heard something but i couldn't figure out what i heard and then also i was like cole are you up he goes yeah i heard that and i was like oh fuck there really was a noise that was so scary for like 10 minutes we went through the whole house to make sure no one was there did you figure out what it was like i could we think it was um we have like a level because we were doing some work on our walls Mm -hmm. and like painting and shit and we think the level just finally slipped but i'm like that level has been up for like 18 hours there why is it all sudden slipping and i was thinking the cats right away but your mom has pluto and june bugs yeah we don't have the cats (laughs) yeah i know i was like oh my god Uh, so i was scared for a couple nights but i couldn't imagine like actually having no. someone there when you For come real. out like thankfully we were fine but god my heart was pounding and I was like Chris is uh, gonna do a case oh my on god us. no I don't think I could <laughs> I would just cry the whole time instead I'd be like I don't know what to even say <laughs> I knew these people they were my best friend <laughs> no 
Uh, I don't even want to think about that. Let's not. No, let's not. But I don't ever want to be in her shoes and to have this huge noise and you go to check it out and there's just this fucking yeah. stranger in your house. Like, oh my God. No, thanks. No. Okay, thank sorry. You. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when she saw him, he played his stupid card about saying he was on the run and that he needed food, a car, and warmth. And then after that, he handcuffed her and he claims he talked to her a bit to try to calm her down. But I hate that he's like that. Like, you just try to calm these yeah. victims like, down right before I'm going to kill them. Like, what What the fuck's the point? It's, it's like he gives them, like, this piece of, oh, my God, you know, this guy's starting to humanize me. Maybe he won't do it. He's realizing, you know, I am a person, blah, blah, blah. But really, he's giving them that little hope. And then he's like, ah, okay, yeah, let's get I to the killing. I don't it's understand. So like, I don't know. This guy's such a tool. I hate him. Mm. But yeah, so he supposedly tried to calm her down, whatever. Then he went back to. Oh, jeez. I I jumped so. It's fine. They know we have dogs. And if. He doesn't. I mean, sometimes he randomly barks, but he's got a loud ass bark. (laughs) Okay. Um. Damn diesel. <laughs> okay. So yeah, he went to um like check where her car was and then he grabbed food and acted like he was leaving. But then he went back to her. He took the handcuffs off of her mm-hmm. and then tied her up and strangled her to death with a pantyhose. <sighs> but then he ended up putting her into a blanket, and I believe it was a blanket that he got like right off of her bed I think it was just sheets that he rolled her up into and then he drug her to her own car put her in the trunk and he ended up taking her to one spot and dropping her body off with her clothes and um he had two guns but he only had one on him at the time so he realized he Mm -hmm. left one of them at the residence so Once he noticed that he lost one of the guns, he drove her car back to her house, found the missing gun right away when he walked in, then went back out of the house, threw the keys onto the roof of the house, and then walked back to his car. I don't. What the fuck? He's so ballsy. I I don't know how this dude took, like, he's intelligent, but he's not. Like, he took so long to get caught, but he's also, like doing all this really weird shit that should have gotten him caught like someone should have noticed that yeah someone should have noticed someone should have seen this and it sucks um but yeah so he ended up going back to his car then he drove back to where her body was he picked up her body and the other stuff that he dropped off with her and ended up dropping her off like underneath a bridge nearby But then the scene of the house was discovered by Dee's boyfriend, who noticed that the glass was broken into her house. Then he saw that her shoes were all piled up, which I don't really know what the significance of that is, but it felt important. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if she was like a very neat person and the shoes piled up were not normal in her. I don't I don't really know, but 
But then I um, also noticed the sheets were missing from her bed, which obviously that's weird. So, yeah. Scary, yeah. And then a, uh, about 13 days later, her body was actually found. Um, yeah, February oh. 1st of 1991. It was in the ditch um, nearby like 117th North and Meridian. So it's not too, too far from her where she was I guess um her residence Mm -hmm. but her body had already started to decompose at that time and that scares the shit out of me because that's less than two weeks like and just knowing that is I don't know a lot d I want to do an episode actually like on the stages of decomposition and like how like certain things can affect it just so like everybody can learn like you know just so you have like a more understanding I want to give our listeners so one day we'll do that but it's crazy like well and you know heat and cold and i mean this is january but where was it kansas i mean it's not that cold in kansas right and it's definitely not wisconsin but i think it like snows and stuff doesn't it i guess i don't know i'm really bad with geography yeah i don't know (laughs) geography and meteorology same (laughs) i don't don't know but yeah that's so sad so sad that her boyfriend had to walk into that and just the fear. Ugh, I can't even imagine. Um, so then uh, Dee's son, his name was Jeffrey Davis. He had received a letter a few months after the murder. Um, it stated that the person who wrote this letter believed that whoever killed Dee had also killed Vicki Wagerly because he had suffered from a sexual issue. So Jeffrey was like, what the fuck? And he brought that letter to the police. Mm-hmm. They kind of like brush it off saying that there's a lot of crazy nut jobs out there who will say anything. So they didn't really think mm-hmm. much of it. Um, and I think at that time, I don't think there was, I don't know, like if they put together that BTK killed all of these people yet or if they were different. I would assume. Yeah, I think they were at this time. I think they were starting to be like, okay, I think this, yeah, this may be one person or something. Um, But then, yeah, so a few years after Jeffrey Davis, Delorsa's son, had gotten that first letter, um, he ended up publishing a book called The Shadow of Evil Where is God in a Violent World? And that book had talked about him losing faith a bit when his mother had been murdered that book came out in 1996 and after the release of that book he received another anonymous letter and it ended up being from the same person who wrote that first letter so yeah portions of this letter read this is all going to be quoted um and quote dear mr davis first of all thanks so much for writing your book i am so grateful that you express many of the same emotions that i've experienced when confronted with evil and violence just so you know where i'm coming from i am 60 plus years old am white of ethnic origin have an average education and have lived in northern sedwick county for 30 plus years now that is a long long time Personally, I believe that the same man did kill Maureen Hedge, Vicki Wagerly, and your mother. There seems to be similarities among all of these cases. 
I'm sure your mother was terrified. My heart pounded during the part where you went back on the anniversary of your mother's death to sit and wait for the killer. It's too bad that Unsolved Mysteries didn't accept this story. It would have been an interesting one and would have adapted well to the screen. Bless you, a taxpayer, North Sedway County. Unquote. Yeah. Hmm. So like, uh, yeah. Do you think that was him? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, that's the thing with him is like, now we're going to get into all the back and forth that he does like with the TV stations and the newspapers and stuff. And like, eventually this is how he gets caught is because he kind of fucked up but like if he didn't go back and forth and write all this shit i don't know if they would have really caught him which is- yeah he liked like mm-hmm. playing with the attention yeah, the exactly. limelight so on january 17th 2004 the wichita eagle which was the newspaper in the area they had wrote a story about how it was the 30th anniversary of the Otero killings, which was the first murder with the four family, the mom and dad and the son and daughter. Mm, yeah. Yes. So there was mention that the writer thought they had seen the last of BTK since nothing recent had really been reported or anything. But we know BTK does not like to be forgotten. So on um, the dates are like close but I never found for sure which day so it was either March 17th or March 19th of 2004 the Wichita Eagle newspaper received a letter from Bill Thomas Kilman which has BTK initials yeah I was gonna say wait what Uh, (laughs) it was from him saying that or there was a photocopy of Vicki Wagerly's missing driver's license as well as pictures of her body after she had died so okay yeah prior to this it was not known for sure if Vicky had been killed by BTK or not but these photocopies had showed a signature of BTK so it confirmed he did it and his signature was even fucked up so like his signature was like a uppercase b and then it had two dots in the middle of them making the b look like boobs and then there was a t that was sideways and then the K used like the stem from the T as part of the K. So. Oh, so he's yeah, making his own yeah. like logo. And that was not public knowledge. So that's when they realized that they were going to be working the case for a long time since that was obviously BTK. What the fuck? Super funsies. So, oh my God, I what a douche. So then um, either May 4th, fourth or fifth of 2004 um cake tv k-a-k-e tv they received a letter that had like a word search attached to it and then also chapters like like the beginning of a chapter book that page that shows the chapters or whatever um yeah it was just those two pieces of paper i believe and then it came from a fake address that didn't even exist and then about a little over a month later, June 9th of 2004, there was a package that was found taped to a stop sign in Wichita. It was found at the corner of First in Kansas, and then it had gruesome details of the Otero murders and had also said something about the sexual mm. thrill is my bill, which I don't, I don't. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Wow, you you slaying mm-hmm. it with that rhyme. Yeah, he was trying to be a poet and a few of these, I guess. I don't know. He just has the biggest fucking ego. He's so fucked up in so many ways. Oh. Um, and then on July 17th of 2004, there was another package that was found in the return slot at the Wichita Public Library. It supposedly had like bizarre material, including that BTK had committed a murder earlier that month of a 19 year old named Jake Allen in Argonia, Kansas. This supposedly had been proven like false and the death was ruled a suicide. So it's not really sure why he did this. I couldn't find anything about like even after he had been caught, I couldn't find anything about why he tried to play this one off. Yeah. Claim it. I don't know. What the fuck? Bored, probably. Well, I haven't killed anyone recently. This guy just died. I'm going to claim it. I don't know. October 22nd of 2004, there was a manila um, envelope that was found at the Omni Center UPS package drop box. It had cards with images of terror and bondage of children. And it also had contained a poem that had threatened the lead investigator, Lieutenant Ken Landwehr's life, and also had an autobiography of BTK's life that had been released to the public. But the details in the autobiography were false, like nothing was legit. So that was pointless, too. I don't know. What the fuck? He just, I think he just lived in his own little world and... He did, and it blows me my my mind because at the end, like you said, like no one can believe that no, was exactly him. right that exactly. knows him. I, like I don't know. Um, December thirteenth or fourteenth, one of the two, two thousand four, in Murdoch Park, there was a man walking through the park. He had noticed that there was a package, um, so he notified um, police and everything. It contained Nancy Fox's driver's license and then a doll that had resembled Nancy that had its hands and feet tied up and also a bag over its head. And this one, the, um, what do you want to call it? The, the strings or whatever that were tied. How do I want to word this? Like the strings were the same colors of like bondage that he used to tie Nancy oh. in real life too. So he like it was oh. like a full replica. So he even mm-hmm. went down to the color. Wow. Yeah. Which is amazing because he doesn't remember like certain things here and there, like when he gets interviewed and everything, but then he remembers the color of bondage from this one victim. I know. That's weird. That's like it's not fascinating but it's fascinating like the things they focus in on and how they can yeah remember what they want like weird ass little details yeah (laughs) okay january 25th of 2005 cake tv had received a postcard that said where to find a certain cereal box and then to let btk know when they found it and also found the other one from home depot So the contents of the first cereal box that Cake had found, it contained another Barbie doll that represented Josie Otero, which was the little girl. girl. And it was attached to, it had part of a pipe attached to it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I literally have in here sad face, sick fuck. (laughs) Sick fuck, dude. 
poor all of these victims. I feel so bad, but especially yeah, like girl. he like, just. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I hate him. I hate him so much. Um, but then they were confused about the Home Depot cereal box. They didn't know what that meant. So then they had put notices up asking employees to come forward with any information that they had about it. And a mm-hmm. Home Depot employee had contacted 911 a few days later and said that he was on vacation, but he believed he had something to report since he found a cereal box that was put in the back of his truck. He said he threw it out because he thought it was just random garbage. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. Good on him for reporting. I feel like so many people would have been like, oh, no way does that exactly like if you're even thinking about it, just report it. Like just right, just report it. You never know those little details that you think nothing of. Yeah. So he believed that the trash had actually been hauled off already when he was out of town on vacation. So that sucks. I mean, at least he called and said, like, hey, shit, like, I actually had this happen, and now, like, fuck, mm-hmm. like, I'm right. putting it together. So police were planning on heading out to the landfill the next day, but then about an hour after that first phone call, that employee had called back, and he said, actually, it's still here. I still have it in my garbage can. So thank God he hmm. grabbed it and brought it in his kitchen for the investigators to see. So yeah, thank you. Shit, yeah. This cereal box contained a letter asking, can I communicate with a floppy disk and not be able to be traced? So the way police had communicated back to him was saying, like, it was in the newspaper. They were able to work out um, some, like, an ad, a newspaper ad. Oh, my God. Like, he had his own yeah, column. <laughs> um, but, Yeah. <laughs> It was a newspaper ad that they had published on January 28th of 2005 saying, Rex, it will be okay. Contact me, P.O. Box, first four reference numbers at 67202. So they said, Rex, it'll be okay, but that was a lie. They knew that they would be able to trace it. And obviously they didn't care. They're like, we're going to get this fucker, so... Yeah. So yeah, and then they did review the security tapes at Home Depot to see if they could find out who put this cereal box in the back of the truck, but the tapes were like super far away and they were really grainy, but they were able to see that the suspect was driving a Jeep Cherokee. So they got that information anyway. Thank God. That's good. And we're going to cut to a break. Yay! Hi! Two thousand five. This was six days after that ad had been ran in the paper saying it was okay to use a floppy disk. Blah 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 blah. Um, there were more postcards that were received at Cake TV confirming that BTK had gotten the message. Um, police did request that they would not report that info until March first, and I don't know if that was just to like keep it on the DL that like they didn't want him contacting them, or like I don't really know the reason why they. I don't really yeah hmm. I don't know okay um they do they have their reasons and I couldn't find them damn it oh well uh <laughs> February 16th of 2005 um this was another a, I think this was a different tv channel called KSAS I think 
I like yeah. that. I hope that's not a typo. Well, it was a TV station. <laughs> they just I a shit ton, guys. I'll, just get over if it. If I'm wrong, I'll <laughs> look it up. And then if I'm wrong, I will let you guys know. I will be the first to admit if I'm wrong. <laughs> so um, this TV station or channel, whatever, they received um, something called communication number 11 is what it's referred to. It was obviously from BTK and it included a purple floppy disk in it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. So the floppy disk, it was first x-rayed to make sure that there wasn't any type of explosives in it since they knew that BTK was intelligent and they didn't want to chance anything. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, they did not find anything, um, any explosives. Thank goodness. And then they went to put the floppy disk into a non-network computer just in case there was a virus on it and he was trying to like hack their system or whatever. And then they found out that it was safe and it wasn't encrypted or anything like that. And they were able to pull information off of it that a man by the name of Dennis was the creator of it. And then that it had also been put into a computer in Park City at um, a church called Christ Lutheran Church. Oh my God! He was using a yeah. floppy disk at church. Uh, what? Yeah, he's With a the church. Idiot. <laughs> oh my God! What a fucking yeah. psycho! So then they just did a quick internet search, and they it was literally Lutheran Church Wichita D- Dennis, and the Raider family name popped up. They were able to find him as Dennis Raider Lutheran Deacon. So he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 Dumb ass. So police found his residence. They drove to Park City and drove past his house. And they did see that there was a Jeep Grand Cherokee in the driveway, which they obviously knew that Mm. BTK drove from that security footage. Thank God. Mm -hmm. And so this proved that they had strong circumstantial evidence, but they needed more direct evidence in order to be able to arrest him. So investigators were able to obtain a warrant to test DNA that was used on um, Dennis's daughter, Carrie's pap smear that she had somewhat recently done at the University of Kansas Medical Clinic when she was a student there. And they found out that this sample was a close match to DNA that had been under one of the victim's fingernails, which would have proven that BTK would have been closely related to Dennis's daughter. And that was the direct evidence that they needed to arrest him. Thank God. Oh my God. Stupid. So then the lieutenant had called up all of his detectives and he was like, hey, we got the DNA back. It's him. We're going to get him tomorrow. So go ahead and get lots of sleep tonight. But obviously you can't tell investigators and detectives that because they're just not going to sleep. So no one. Yeah, exactly. It's It's like Christmas. No one went home. Everyone just ended up going to the police station. They sat there all night. And they were literally just ready to get this over with because it was so long since this case had first started. They were just ready to be done with yeah. it and get him. So an interesting part about this, though, is that Raider was a compliance officer at this time. So when detectives found out who BTK was, they couldn't really tell anyone outside of the police department since they didn't know who he was close with and who he wasn't his office was actually right oh. in the PD. Like, yeah. He what the fuck? Like, right next to these officers. Isn't that so- Oh my yeah. God. I did not know that. So 
Like how risky that, that just has to be like the thrill he was going for. Like, I don't. Well, that's like Edmund Kemper. He fucking like drank beers every night with the cops. Even when he admitted it, the cops were like, oh no, you didn't do this. I didn't know that part. That's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know this part. It's fucked. (laughs) That's what our podcast is about. A bunch of fucked up shit. (laughs) Be bunch of fucked up shit. (laughs) So yeah, February 28th, or sorry, February 25th of 2005, after over 30 years of dealing with this shithead, Raider is finally arrested less than a block from his home and is interrogated by by the police. So SWAT was supposed to come in and arrest him, but the lieutenant was like, nah, my guys want to do it. They've been spending so much time on this case. They've done all this shit and like they got their way they were able to be the ones who made the arrest so that that's good that's good because yeah they're they're the ones who've been hitting the hitting the road seeing the people the victims exactly they deserve to yeah and they came hella prepared they had like a tank a helicopter they had everything they were not letting him get away which god forbid If they did. Yeah. Holy shit. No. They did not fuck around. So they all got in their positions, parked right by the frontage road that they knew that he came down every day. Uniform officers pulled him over. And by the time he even put his truck into park, there were policemen and detectives at his door ready to just arrest him. Oh, what a day. <laughs> so he was arrested and he asked the detectives, would you please tell my wife I'll be late for lunch? I assume you know where I live. <laughs> oh my god. Like what the fuck? This guy. <sighs> Are you kidding me? I assume you know where I live. Oh, he's stupid. So yeah. So he was interrogated and the lieutenant, um, Lieutenant Landwehr showed him the floppy disk, and Dennis or Raider was pissed because he's like why did you lie to me? And Landwehr was like, well, I was trying to catch you. <laughs> so he was like, <laughs> yeah, um, excuse me, um, Mr. Douchefuck, no, I don't owe exactly. you shit. He so was like, that's why. so pissed that they lied to him. Like, what the fuck do you expect? I'd, I don't know. But then one of the FBI agents said, just tell us who you are. And he finally admitted, I'm BTK. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. On February 26th, police chief Norman Williams notified the public that BTK was arrested and Raider was identified in a news conference. His bond was set for $10 million. Yeah. Shit. They were not letting him out. Not at all. Right. Good though. Um, So then February 28th through March 3rd, the sheriff's department searched the 20s or the 61st street area with a metal detector for evidence, but unfortunately they didn't find anything. I don't really know. I was trying to find what kind of evidence they like, I don't, maybe it was just evidence from one of the murders and I don't know where they got the 61st street. I was going to look into it more, but when I did, I couldn't find anything. So yeah, I mean, sometimes there's just that random lead right. that just, it's hard for us to find where exactly. or why it's there. Yes. So then March 1st, Raider was charged with 10 counts of first degree murders. He had three public, um, three public defenders that were assigned to his case. 
March 2nd, Raider was fired by Park City since he failed to report to work <laughs> since February 25th Bye. because he had obviously been arrested, which I don't understand why they waited till March 2nd. Like, if they announced right away on February 26th that Raider was BTK, I'm sure his employer would have heard about it. I don't, I don't understand oh, why, yeah. why they waited, what, six, seven days to fire? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because I mean, maybe technically he's you're guilt or innocent until proven guilty. So even if they're stating that's who he is, I don't know. I know there you can't just fire somebody. So I'm wondering if there was just legality oh, parts of it. But truthfully, I don't really fucking right. Know. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's it. We'll just go with that for now. <laughs> We'll go with that. Cool. Um, May 3rd, <laughs> District Judge Greg Waller um, entered a not guilty plea on Raider's behalf after the public defender, Steve Osborne, said that his client would stand mute on the 10 charges of first degree murder. So I don't, I don't know. But then June 27th, so almost two-ish months later, Raider did plead guilty to the 10 counts of first degree murder. He gave explicit details on how he chose as well as killed his victims. No, thank you. I mean, I looked it up anyway, but I just can't. Like, it's just like, how do you just sit down and to be the investigator that has to sit and listen to this dirtbag just describe how he chose and murdered human beings, mothers, children, and fathers. And the way he played so stupid, like... I just don't, I don't know. I don't get that. Um, oh, Diesel's trying to mess with my mic. No, you can't talk. Go away. <laughs> Hi. Uh, um, on August 18th of 2005, Dennis was convicted of those 10 consecutive life sentences. Thank God. Yeah. Good. During Bye. the trial, all of his victims' families had said what they needed to say to Raider. And then when he finally got up to talk back to them, all of the family members just walked out of the courtroom. They had agreed to do Good. this, which was pretty damn cool. Like, we don't, yeah, we already That's gave you awesome. enough of the time of the day to explain what you did. We don't need to hear anything else. No, we don't even want to hear your stupid fucking dumbass mouth exactly. stool so and he was also such an idiot like he tried to compare his victims to himself and his family like he was oh, i don't know what he's working at uh, you're fine you know like i said guys we don't have a studio we're trying with the dogs oh, okay next time <laughs> i just don't want him to start destroying stuff off the thing i don't have to worry about him as much as alaska no, it's a, a little, little alley. Asshole alley. Anyway, yeah, so he, like, tried to compare himself. He was saying that he was a husband and he had served in the Air Force like Joseph did. And Hedge was his neighbor who liked to garden. He liked to garden. Josie was a daughter. He had a daughter. Like, he just tried to compare himself to his victims. And, like, what the fuck? So comparing is just more reason not exactly. to fucking kill them. Exactly. I, I don't know. Like, if you're saying this, then why did you kill them? Because obviously they're great fucking human exactly. beings. I don't understand him. I know. Mm. I know. His mind. Um, so um, 
Yeah. And it was said that like his speech seemed more like he had won an award versus being given his 10 consecutive life sentences. Like, <laughs> I think to him, it was it like winning was, an award. Fucked up in the head, but so fucked he finally got the attention he's been trying to fucking get exactly so that's the piece of shit we'll go into his i guess his early life a little bit there's not a whole lot of background on him but so he was born march 9th of 1945 in pittsburgh kansas but he had grown up in wichita so he was born in 1945, and his first murder was 1974. So he was like almost 30 at this time. Yeah, yeah. he was older. Exactly. Um, so then he was born to William Elvin Rader and Dorothea May Cook, and he was the oldest of four boys. He did have, or his brother's names were Paul, Bill, and Jeff. And then he was confirmed into the Zion Lutheran Church when he was 12 years old in 1957. When he was a kid, he had been an animal torturer. He he would just hate <gasps> stray animals. I have a piece of shit right fuck? next to it because we all know how much I love animals. Any kind. Any of them. I can't. Oh my god. <sighs> hate him. I hate him so much. No. If you fucking hurt animals... I don't care who you there is absolutely piece of no shit. reason for it i hope every time you take a step it's like fucking stepping on right. 30 legos exactly. so he had attended is this my dogs or yours that that's definitely yours because i don't have squeaky toys because i cannot stand them and nova <laughs> has to get the squeaker and then she that's pukes right. it up two days later i was like that's <laughs> it's literally i turned around it's Allie laying on the carpet she's just laying there looks like she's sleeping but she's got a squeaker in her mouth a little shithead you know what guys she's content i'm sure most of our listeners have like babies or fucking pets guys it's hard to have life with them it was a little lobster i took it away from her and gave it to tucker now he's just staring at it but anyway okay He so he attended Riverview School as a kid and then went to Wichita Heights High School and graduated in 1963. But he supposedly had a sexual fetish for keeping women's underwear. Yeah, so he I know and he would steal his victims underwear and like wear them himself too, which is where did you that's so gross. I don't understand why like guys would ever want to take someone else's underwear. Like vaginas I, are gross, I man. I don't agree. I don't. I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah. He's, He's gross. gross. So. Um, and then um, during 1965 to 1966, he had went to Kansas Wesleyan University. And then he had also been a part of the U.S. Air Force, where he had been stationed in Texas, Alabama, Okinawa, um, Japan, South Korea, Greece, and Turkey from between 1966 to 1970. And his stalking could somewhat be, like, connected back to this because he had, like, supposedly seen himself as somewhat of a spy during his Air Force days. So that's where, like, they kind of (laughs) get... That they think that that's where like the stalking kind of originated was 
Again, his ego is so big. Yeah. Once he served his time in the Air Force, he moved to um, 6220 Independence in Park City, Kansas, which was around 1971. And then he worked in a meat department for um, Leaker's IGA supermarket. He met his wife, Paula Dietz, through church, and they had gotten married on May 22nd of 1971. Dennis had also worked at um, a Coleman company as an assembler from 1972 to 1973. Um, Coleman company is like the camping gear manufacturer. That Coleman. Oh, 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 oh my God. Coleman. Coleman. When you were saying Coleman, I was like, K-O-H-L man. I was like, fuck? Yeah. Like all I think of is like a green sleeping bag. That's, that's what I think of. A green that is literally a green sleeping bag and lantern, a yeah. lantern. That's all I, need I know. Those <laughs> two things that popped in my head. Too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he was going to school during this time too. So, in 1973, he had earned an associate's degree in electronics at um, the Butler County Community College in El Dorado, Kansas. And later that year, in the fall, he had enrolled in Wichita State university for a bachelor's degree in administration of justice ironically (laughs) i don't know dude oh my god he ended up graduating with his degree in 1979 from there um he so at one point he said that when he was back in grade school he would like bind his own hands up and ankles with rope and then he'd put a bag over his head and that was like part of his sexual fantasies that he had. He would find women in magazines and cut them out and draw ropes and gigs on them too. Which wait in, in grade, grade school. school? Yeah. Oh my god! Get the kids some therapy. <sighs> I mean, could have saved a lot of lives that way, but why would we do that? That just makes too much sense. Yeah. I want to put my kids in therapy. Just in case. Literally, you never know. As soon as they can start you never talking. Know. As soon as they can start oh, to talk. Yeah. Um, but ironically, like he also worked for ADT security services. So that's cool. That's he, great. What a great. He was there from November, yeah. 1974 until he was fired in July, 1988, supposedly because he wasn't meeting quota, but he was there for 14 freaking years. And, like, he also worked for the Census Bureau from May 1989 to July 1989, which is crazy to think that he had these jobs in with, like, secure access to people's addresses and homes and all this shit. I was just going to say, he's getting jobs, like, with, like, sensitive Mm, information. Isn't that scary? Yeah. 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 And then, um, so, May 1991 up until March of 2005. He was working as a compliance supervisor, like mentioned before, for Park City, which in his like role, he had supervised the department that had handled animal control, which is super ironic, um, housing problems, yeah. zoning, general permit enforcement, inoperable vehicles, and a variety of nuisance cases. So like, I just don't, I don't know, you're going to go and what kill you people are the and then you're going to be in like making sure people are in compliance for shit like that. What? I don't, (laughs) I don't know. Um, And then, so I have 
just this part named random facts because I didn't know where to throw it in my research. So um, like Dennis had his own terms for certain things. So he used the words projects, trolling, and stalking. When he would use the word project, he would be referring to each murder. And then um, he stated that his projects were basically his sexual fantasies. And then he would refer to trolling as obviously like when he was looking for his next victim. Then once he chose his next victim, he started stalking them. So those were like the three parts to his murders were the projects, trolling, and stalking. Which so he oh my god, so annoying. So he gave it like like, like a, a beginning, a, middle, and end type thing. Um, like a yeah, storybook. Like it's a fucking <laughs> procedure or a story or a step-by-step process. Like um, it's also super fucked because he had a stress ball that he would use in order to strengthen his hands to strangle people and oh my god the words on the stress ball read life is good like it's just ironic oh my god and like to think about that like during the day while you're at work you're playing with your stress ball to get better at killing people that sounds so loud in here I don't get it. I don't get it at all. He's such a fucking douche. Um, But then the last part that I have is that there were like supposedly a couple other intended targets that luckily, thankfully, they didn't carry out. Um, But there were two women in the 1980s and then another one in the mid 1990s. So he did plan to hit them. However, all three of them filed restraining orders against him and one even moved away. But that makes the question, like, how hadn't he been reported as even, like, a possible suspect? If he had these three girls who had restraining orders against him, like, I don't understand that part. I don't know. I mean, I know in the 80s and shit, like, their filing system is probably not what it is today. very true. You know, maybe it was different counties, too. Were they communicating? Things like that. And having it spread out over years. Yeah, that's true. I mean... You know, sometimes, man, I feel like they just miss yeah the big picture. I mean, but yeah, after I think I did the math of 31 years, I'm pretty sure it was, he finally got caught. Thank the Lord. And I have to do a quick shout out to Greg. Did you, did Greg Snapchat you the other day? <laughs> um, yeah, he was yeah, taking a listen. Saying that he loves BTK. <laughs> Shout out to Greg. You're a weirdo. <laughs> you are a weirdo for sure. You can never like him. You can't I mean, you be can, our friend. No, if I don't like even know him. how to say it. Like, oh. Yeah, we can't be your friend. No more. Bye, Greg. Uh, that was funny. I laughed at that. I, BTK is a very, is interesting very interesting one. I do have to give him that. And he was very intelligent, but stupid at the same time. And it, it's like a weird combination of it, too. It is. And he's very much yeah. Jekyll and Hyde. Like, home, he's a great man, a great father. Right. I mean, and then on the nights, like, he's just out there slaying women and others. Like, right, what the fuck? exactly. And I just realized I don't, I think I mentioned in part one where he had kids, but I, yeah, yeah, he, he had, he a, had daughter a daughter and a son. son. I don't, 
I know I have it in part one because I remember seeing it was during this time that he stopped because probably because he had a kid, but I should have put that in the bottom too. But yeah, he did he have did. two children. Um, obviously, one had mm-hmm. the DNA and that's how he got caught. So yeah, but yeah, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. He's he's a lot. Well, he's a douchebag and we never have to worry about <laughs> him again. Thank God for that. <laughs> Be everything exactly. isn't exactly <laughs> well awesome i'm so glad we finally got the ending to the that piece of shit story <laughs> you did a good job though <laughs> it was a good good one and a good warm-up it for was. us getting back in yeah it was <laughs> anyways anyway so um we usually do a missing persons but i actually thought this was really interesting. I was just cruising the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children site, and I found like just this really interesting risk factors and how they risk factors and how they categorize missing people. And I just thought it'd be really good to do just a little bit of education, and then we can go back to expli- you know calling out missing people to you know give them a little bit of lime life that you know yeah. they're not getting anymore. So the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, basically the overview states, in addition to runaways, family abductions, and non-family abductions, there are two categories that the NCMEC handles, lost, injured, or otherwise missing, which they kind of abbreviate to LIM, and critically missing young adults. So a lost, injured, or otherwise missing child is defined as a child who has disappeared under unknown circumstances or a child who is too young to appropriately be considered an endangered runaway. This ranges from a child wandering off and becoming lost to a child who may have been abducted, but no one saw it happen. So these circumstances sometimes involve foul play or those reporting the incident may attempt to cover up a crime involving the child. Although not legally children, NCMEC also helps law enforcement with cases of critically missing young adults ages 18, 19, and 20. A critically missing young adult is one who is at elevated risk of danger if not located as soon as possible due to the circumstances surrounding their disappearance. Um, And then just list some risk factors. Um, So young children, especially those with autism, they can sometimes wander off from a known location. Um, and be drawn away by something of interest, such as a pet, an animal, another child, or something, you know, toys or candy. Um, They could also be distracted to things they're attracted to, like bodies of water, traffic signs, trains, things like that. Um, Young children can be unaware they're lost. I mean, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just living their innocent little life. And they may not even feel worried or scared for some time, as the distance is increasing between you and your child and children can be unaware of how to return home, but might try to get back on their own and just get more and more lost, um, which is scary. So it's definitely, you know, good to have conversations with your children about what's your phone number, what's your address, who do you go for, who do you look for? I'm pretty sure we had to learn that in kindergarten at our school. Yeah. It was kindergarten or preschool. Yeah. Phone number, address, how to spell your last name. Make sure you know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope they still teach that. (laughs) So of the, I fucking hope so too, because I'm going to put like, you know how you have those Apple trackers on your dog? I'm putting them on my kids. (laughs) I'm not even kidding you. Not a bad idea. 
I'm not putting them in their shoes, like sewing them in their shoes or putting it on their backpacks. Like, I don't give a fuck how crazy I seem. Yeah. I don't know where my kid is. Yeah. I would agree. (laughs) Oh, so of the 20,500 cases reported to the NCMEC in 2016, 2% were critically missing adults and only 1% were lost, injured, or otherwise missing children. So it's a really low number, but still enough. I mean, that's still too much. Um, Between January 1st of 2012 and December 31st of 2016, over 900 Amber Alerts were issued, and only 6% of them were for lost, injured, or otherwise missing children. So I just want to clarify again. So lost, injured, or otherwise missing are not children who are, like, taken by a family member, which is still abduction and kidnapping Mm -hmm. and horrific. So these are children who may have been camping and the parents lost sight of them and now they can't find it. Or, you know, my kids riding home on their bike. I know they just left like Kristen's house and they're coming here and I never see them again. They're lost or otherwise missing. Like either they fell somewhere and got hurt and rolled a mile into the river or (laughs) they got kidnapped. So just a little clarification on that. So basically what they say is just teaching, um, get training, raise public awareness. I think this is a really great website for like parents in general who want to have that safety conversation with their kids or start having that safety conversation with Mm -hmm. their kids about stranger danger. And, you know, what do you do when you're lost? Who do you talk to? Who do you go to? And, you know, if someone asks you saying, oh, I need help with this, just come help me real quick. Adults don't need help. You never need to help fucking anybody. If they need help, they don't, they, need don't help. they don't need help. Or you know what? You can give them a number to call for somebody to help. Like, I'm not going to help you. And Sorry, don't no. ever follow the candy. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> Tell your kids you'll give them double yeah, the I'll candy. I'll give you <laughs> double the candy if you never, ever, ever go after someone who tells you that they have candy in their van. Never. but that was it I just wanted to give a little education and I just thought it was really interesting interesting. I got a weird little mind you do but it's a very good it's a very good mind (laughs) thank you thank you and you did a really good job and we're excited we are we've been having we've we've been slacking but we've also like had withdrawals at the same time it's been weird it's been a weird thing (laughs) it's been super weird it has and like we've been trying to figure out things like it's it's a lot when we both work full-time jobs and have you know social life after work family or, pets you know mom, just everything dog moms, yeah. family holidays vacations like moving it's just a lot and we're just trying to figure out how we can balance this in our life appropriately where we're still getting up good content but we're still you know we do have a plan to (laughs) and the research research takes takes a while while, but we do have a plan to be more consistent so just know that know that (laughs) yes know that love us i'm so excited for next week i got a crazy ass case that i don't think kristen knows and i don't any of you guys know because it's like an oldie but it's wild as fuck so Okay. Well, do you have anything else? I apologize again for my dogs. I'm going to trap them outside next time. (laughs) I think they were totally fine. Ellie and her damn lobster. She just needs a squeeze. She needs to be loud. That's her thing. She needs to be known that she's there. She's just (laughs) annoying. 
<laughs> well, she, I mean, she's yeah. a husky. They're mouthy. I, they need diesel mouth tool. He doesn't need to be barking at nothing. He's just, uh, whatever. Yeah, oh, well. Sorry, guys. <laughs> love us. We love you. Stay spooky, yes. babes. Bye. Bye. Thank you.